topical series for a while, and what would one be without talking about love? Right? I mean, um, the Beatles sang, all you need is love. But I don't think they invented that. I don't think they made up that, well, they made up the line, but, but the, um, you know, they say that for, they say that the, the greatest need of a man and, a, and or a woman is to love and to be loved. That that's our greatest need. And so when you um, look at Scripture, you know, in the original language we find that, um, that Jesus <coughs> used the word agape for love, translated love, often, almost always. And you, you may not be aware of this, but um, we know the, that in those days you had a lot of Greek philosophers uh, Greek orators, Greek writers, very rarely would they use the word agape. They used um, phileo, brotherly love, or eros, erotic, or sensual love. And that was the primary usage. I mean, because, I mean, even if they talked about their gods, which they had many gods, they didn't love them, so they wouldn't use that kind of a term. They honored them, um, but they didn't love them in the way that we think of loving God. And so Jesus was really the one who popularized, historically, popularized the word agape. And then it was carried on by his disciples, of course, and uh, Paul and the, and the rest of them that followed in, in writing the rest of the New Testament. And so agape became the prevalent term for love, meaning unconditional love, where we, God loves us unconditionally and we are to love others with his, that kind of agape love. And so Jesus uh, was once asked the question, um, what the greatest commandment was? I mean, what's number one? You know, I want to know what you think is number one. Number one command that, that, that uh, has been given to us by God. And Jesus responds by giving two commandments. Have you ever thought about it that way? The guy asked for what's the greatest, and Jesus gives him two. And so it means that they're inseparable. This is what he said in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And I've always liked to think of that concept hanging on. In other words, you know those the, the mobiles that are... that are over a baby's crib. You know, you've got something up here. Well, let's say you have two things at the top rather than just one. You have love God and love others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two top. And then all the other commandments down are down here hanging off of them. That's what I picture when I, when I see Jesus all say, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And the word again that he's using here is agape. He's the one that popularized that term, even though, I mean, it was in existence, agape, phileo, and, and eros were all used, but very rarely was agape used. So Jesus popularizes it and, and focuses on this fatherhood of God. And so these two, great, these two greatest commandments, what's the, what's the one greatest commandment? Here's two of them. They're inseparable. You won't be able to fully obey one without obeying the other. Is it any wonder that the Bible says in 1 John 4.20, Anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot, notice that word, 
cannot love God whom he has seen. Huh? What? Oh, oh, read it right. Anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. What did I read wrong? Oh, you guys are so picky. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, all right. You guys get to see it, the ones that, who are listening by tape, which somehow is still available, right, Phil? Where's Phil go? Somehow it's, it's available on the cloud. If you go to the cloud, you'll find it, right? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> we'll talk to Phil, I guess, if you want to. Anyway, um, it's like, do, you, do, do we believe this, or would we prefer it in that? Would we prefer giving excuses? You know, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can love God and not love my brother. I mean, and let me give you a bunch of examples. I mean, that's kind of the way we think sometimes. Or is this true? Is what the Lord is saying here through John true? I mean, look what it says in James 2.17. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And I'm going to explain how that works in with love in a little bit. But I also want to look at Romans 13, 8. Let no debt remain outstanding. That one right there hurts a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. And, you know, that's pretty interesting too. Because just this concept that Paul is talking about, that uh, you don't want to leave this debt you, you, want, you want to love one another, and by doing that, you're going to fulfill the law. Well, I thought that loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself fulfilled the law. And Paul says, love your fellow man, and you fulfill the law. See how they just are so linked together? You really can't separate the two? But it, well, it's over eight years ago when I was, um, had that vision delivered from a lifetime uh, spiderweb of lies about myself. And the Lord asked me a question about three weeks later. And it was the, in a context of me considering the, um, the depth of my personal relationship with the Lord at that time. And the Lord asked me, how do you think that you can be intimate with me without being intimate with others? And, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it pretty much rocked me. It was one of those questions that feels like a punch in the stomach. Like God just did something, you know. And I, I won't go on to what he said afterwards because he punched me in the stomach and then he said some really nice things. But anyway, it was re revelation to me as I processed it over the time about the vertical and horizontal relationships, how they totally affect each other. And I always taught about our vertical relationship with God. All, I understood that it had um, a significant impact on our horizontal relationships, okay? I think we could find that in the Bible. And I also understood the, the reverse as well, that our love for others is in direct proportion to our love for God. I mean, don't you think the more we love Him, the more we love others? It kind of flows out. And it's just that the significance of, of how great our relationships with others impact our relationship with our Father in Heaven, that really gripped me, and it set me on a little journey of, of discovering how the second greatest commandment, if you will, because he did say it was the second, is really part of the first. They're both so interwoven and inseparable that we'll never really be able to enter into fullness of one of them without having the other part of our lives. 
I mean, look at these commands from the lips of Jesus. A new command I give to you. Love one another. Why is that a new command? Well, the Bible said, Love the Lord you out of all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new command. Love one another. That's why Paul was able to say, you love one another, you fulfilled the law, you see. And so Jesus said, I have loved you, so you must love one another. Again, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And in between this command to love, Jesus said this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. So when we pull these verses together, and we're going to look at more of them, but when we pull just these, we find that Jesus is telling us that if we're going to love him, we must love one another, right? Do you see that in there? That's what I see. Or put another way, whenever we love one another with the love of God, we're loving him. And that's an interesting concept. 1 John 1, verses 6 and 7 makes a powerful connection here. It says, If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So there's contrast here. There's contrast between lies and truth. There's contrast between darkness and light. Then you have a, a connection here also the, between the term fellowship, fellowship with God, and fellowship with one another. So if you as a follower of Jesus have true fellowship or relationship with God, then you're living in the truth, you're walking in the light, and you're enjoying this relationship with others. And then in John chapter 2, or um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, John writes this, Whoever loves his brother lives in the light. Who's light? Jesus is the light of the world. We sang about that. We sang about um, the last song, I love your presence. That's what he's saying. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light of the Lord, lives in the presence of the Lord, is with the Lord. It's all about the light of Jesus uh, uh, in our relationship with the Lord. Here are a few other verses out of uh, 1 John. This is the message you heard from the beginning. Well, from what beginning? Well, from our uh, walking with, with the Master. John was a disciple of Jesus. We should love one another. This is what they heard from him over and over. This is God's command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Here's more. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in Him. I like that line. That could be a song. Whoever lives, in, uh, who, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. That's kind, uh, that's kind of a cool one. You know, it's not always true in the earthly. I mean, just because, you know, you love the father, you may not love their child. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't always work that way. But God is saying, wait a minute, you're going to love the father, you're going to love my child. Because they're mine. I've created them, all of his children. 
and several years ago, and I, it was actually in the very midst, it was after that deliverance thing, that spiderweb thing I was delivered out of, and it was very in the very midst um, of a message. I, we were actually at the theater at the time. I, was, I remember preaching, and, and uh, God invaded my thoughts suddenly with this revelation in the very midst, of it, and I suddenly realized that all my Christian life I had sung songs and said things like, um, Jesus is, is, is all I need. And, and certainly that is true. There's no... What? Oh, are we done with that? Okay. Okay. Um, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I just thought you were commenting on something. I see, I see the pad now. Okay. All right. So anyway, so I'm standing there preaching. Suddenly I get this... This insight, I mean, th- I, you know, that all my life I've been singing songs saying that how Jesus is all I need, and obviously I, we can't minimize that. He is all, all we need. But the Lord began instantaneously at that very moment revealing to me that, 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 that Jesus has taken many of the things that we need and he's placed them within others. In other words, if you want to have some of your specific needs met in your life, you're going to have to go through others to get them. If you want to see Jesus in certain areas of life, you're going to have to find him in others. And I saw it as clear as, I saw it like this. I saw like, you know, we go vertical, Lord, you're all I need, you know, uh, and, and all this kind of things. And the Lord is saying, wait a minute, I'm here, but you got to go this way. you got to go horizontal often in your life. In certain moments of your life, you got to go this way before you can go vertical. Because I've placed things that you need in within relationships that you love God but also love others. It's the same. They're inter, interwoven. And as soon as these things came out, I mean, I'm just saying it. I'm not even realizing. I'm just saying these things like proclamation, I guess. And I was shocked because not that I didn't believe it, but it was I suddenly realized, again, how interwoven love for God and love for others was. The Apostle Paul, he begins the well-known chapter... Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 with these words, and now I will show you the most excellent way. I kind of like that, the most. There are some good ways in life, but here's the most excellent. Now, in previous chapter, chapter 12, if you recall, this is all about the gifts of the Spirit, right? And how we function as a body. He uses the analogy of the body and the body parts and all that kind of stuff. And then after that, chapter 14 is... uh, focuses on two gifts, the prophecy and speaking in tongues. So sandwiched in between these two chapters on the gifts of the Holy Spirit is what we call the love chapter. And I want to read just the first three verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, it can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have, the faith, I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. And I divide this passage into four categories. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, faith, giving, and sacrifice. Those are the four things that you see in that text. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, faith, giving, and, and, uh, and sacrifice. And keep in mind that these are highly valued virtues. I mean, tell me anything here that's not good. Giving to the poor, you know, having faith that can move mountains. I mean, you know, prophesy. What in here is bad? 
And so it's not like Paul is saying that these things have no value, only that without love they have no value. He's saying that as great and wonderful as these things are, without loving God and loving others, you're really going to gain nothing in your life. You're not going to accomplish uh, anything in your life. Because I like Phil's t-shirt. I just was reading at the very end of worship. I couldn't remember, see what the other word was. But your greatness is not what you have. It's what you give most. What you give. Oh, it's what you get. Yeah, it's what you give. Um, and, and that's part of love because love is giving. And so, you know, I would add your greatness is not what you have or what you do because we measure our society does our greatness by not only what we have but also by what we do. But it's not. It's measured by what we give, what we give to God and what we give to, uh, 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 to others. And so these words, those words are are very strong because he's saying without the love of God in your life, you are merely a loud, meaningless noise. Have you ever heard a gong? It's pretty annoying. <laughs> and, and he's saying not only that, but you are nothing and you gain nothing. There's no value in any of these things without love. And so that demonstrates how the, the imperative acquisition of God's love in our lives, where we want to love Him, we want to love others, not just with words, but with actions. You know, and, and, and that's what's so beautiful about the Greek language is they were very precise. You know, in, I mean, having three words for love, um, and if I recall, there is a fourth, but it wasn't hardly ever used. But, but anyway, we have one. I mean, we love God, we love others, we love peanut butter. It's all the same word. You know, they had precise words for uh, erotic, sensual love, for brotherly love, for sacrific which, uh, sacrificial love and helping one. That, that would all be part of the phileo love or being kind and generous and all that. And then the word for, for love for God. But, but despite what kind of word is used, when we use agape, unconditional love, it has to do with um, um, words. It, it, it has to do with action. It's not just, now, yeah, I love God. You know, it's not just about words. And, and even a wonderful believer filled with the Holy Spirit, gifted in several different uh, areas, if they lack the type of selfless love that characterizes agape, then the person typically calls himself attention to themselves, you know, like a loud, noisy gong, the, the clashing cymbals, and they're, they're hoping to... People will pay attention to them. Look at me. Look how gifted I am. I don't know if you've ever seen that or been around that. Seen it. You know, a person may have amazing faith that could even move mountains. But without the selfless love of God flowing toward God and toward others, his faith is nothing. In fact, Paul writes in Galatians, he says faith is, um, expresses itself through love. Think about that for a second. Faith, which is important. Wouldn't you say faith is pretty, pretty important in our lives? Faith, open love. And, and he says faith expresses itself through love. So faith comes to life. It comes into full uh, being. It, 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 it speaks. Faith speaks when we love uh, one another. And I love that, the fact that you can express your faith in God by loving Him and by loving others. And so faith and love go hand in hand as well to such a degree that exercising faith without love is meaningless. Paul just talked about that. 
Are you saying faith without love is meaningless? It accomplishes nothing in the kingdom. The mountain may move, but it doesn't really matter. Jesus said there will be those who prophesy in his name and cast out demons in his name and perform miracles in his name, but he didn't know them. No relationship, no love. And, and people in the ancient world saw great merit in the deeds of charity and suffering. And so Paul, aware of this, aware of how they really valued these things, he is saying, even if you do all these great things in the kingdom of God, and even if you go to the length of giving your very life away, if you don't have the love of God flowing through you toward others, these deeds are not only unimportant, they're actually worth nothing in the economy of the kingdom of God. Strong words. And so where does that leave us? I mean, sir, the Bible is not devaluating or devaluing these virtues. They simply need to be done in love. So we want to go after the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? Bible says in first in First Corinthians 14 to eagerly desire them. So we want to be a strong person of faith. We faith is impossible to please God. So those are the first two things Paul talks about. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, faith, we have to have those. Be generous with your time, energy, money. Sacrifice your life to the Lord. Don't hold anything back. Also, all of these virtues are important, but we do them while we love God and we love others. That, those are the, that's the height of the mobile. Everything else is, follows underneath that. Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, in Revelation, he said that they were a giving people. He said that the Ephesian people, the believers, were hardworking, that they were persevering, that they were people who had endured many hardships in his name. He said that these people never gave up yet. It's kind of like one of those buts. But he had one thing against them. They had forsaken their first love. And I'm sure, you know, most of us would want to be known as, as hardworking, giving, persevering, um, people that never gave up, people that endured hardship. Wouldn't you want to be known like that? And yet Jesus said, this is what he said to them, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember the height from which you have fallen. This obviously means that despite the importance of what they were doing, Giving, sacrifice, worrying the kingdom of God, persevering through circumstances, all this kind of thing. Without love, we will fall. Think about gravity for a moment. The, one of the definitions of gravity is two, two forces that, that pull toward each other. And of light, in light of your relationship with the Lord, what is it that pulls us closer to Him? What is the thing that pulls us then? Well, if you, look at, if you think about the verses that I've shared today, it's about loving God with all your heart and then sacrificially loving others. So what keeps us grounded, you know, like gravity is love. All the other things we do, even good and godly things, all the wonderful things Paul mentioned, we could be the most awesome, um, uh, uh, we could have the, the most awesome ministry on earth as far as kingdom ministry and miracle, all the, all the different things that you can imagine. If we do them without agape love, ruling on our hearts, we too may fall from the heights. Jesus, remember the height from which you have fallen. And again, it's not just lo loving God, but it's loving those around us that maintains our groundedness. And, and again, it's not just with words, but it's, it's, with, uh, it's with actions. Just as Jesus said, because sometimes, and we'll get to that when we take communion today, what is, okay, what does that look like? 
What's the practical application of loving one another? Well, Jesus gave, gave us one. Jesus gave us several, actually. One of them was to lay your life down for another. He said you can't love anybody better, more than that, right? You lay your life down for them. What does that mean? Figure it out. Ask God what it means. Ask God what it means to your next door neighbor. What does it mean to your coworker? What does it mean for your boss? What does it mean for your, um, your employee? What does it mean to you? Lord, what, what does that mean? How can I lay my life down for the others? What about this one? Wash the other person's feet. And again, I'm, I mean, not again, because, the, uh, uh, w- well, I guess either one is not necessarily literally laying your life down, giving, you know, dying, or actually washing someone's feet. The point is service. Jesus demonstrated uh, in humility acts of a humble service toward it. God, what does that look like? How can I really do that with someone? around me. And so I would think each one of us here that all we've ever wanted is to love God and to love other people because that's our need. Our need is to love and to be loved. And 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 we want it so we want to be loved by God too and we want to be loved by other people, but sometimes we get sidetracked. We get sidetracked by hurt. We get sidetracked by by misunderstanding. We get sidetracked sometimes by other priorities in life. Or even we can get sidetracked by kingdom ministry, which keeps us focused on the things we're doing above loving God and loving others. Well, if we find ourselves in a season of distraction, we want to consider if, Lord, we too, I too have fallen from the heights of love. If I've fallen from passionate love for you and passionate love for, for others. And here's what Jesus said. He first identified their spiritual condition. He said, you've fallen from the heights that you had. But then he said, but then he provided a way out, a way back. He said, repent and do the things you did at first. See, for me, what are the things, what do we do at first? Repent and do the things you did at first. Was he talking about all the good things that he just commended? No. That means to me, returning to your first love. And your first love is this emotional attachment. It's the absolute commitment and surrender uh, that you experienced as a young believer. Return to that. And this is what Jesus may be saying to you this morning, is to repent. I didn't look at you when I said repent. (laughs) So this is what Jesus may be saying to you to, to, to repent of potential distractions and return to Him so He can forgive you, He can embrace you. And, then he, and, and once He forgives and embraces you, then He, he, he places you back on that track of, of loving others again because He says it's not just about loving me. It's, you've got to love others. 1 Corinthians 8, 3, I love this passage or this verse. The man who loves God is known by God. Isn't that cool? That's like, Wow. When you, when you are passionately in love with the Lord, you know Him more, but He knows you. To, no, obviously, He already knows you to the nth degree. There's nothing more He can know about you. But it means that there's this revelatory, there's this deep intimacy between the two. And then the deeper intimacy with Him it always evolves into loving others uh, more deeply as well. It's this wonderful cycle that I see. It's a cycle of love where when we, 
love others with the love of Jesus throwing, uh, flowing in and through us, we are then loving God, and we're therefore becoming more intimate with Him, and then we love others more. It's a wonderful cycle of love. The more we give ourselves to loving those around us, the more in love we become with God. <laughs> and the more open and vulnerable with others, our, our deeper will be our intimacy with God. And the more forgiving and patient and kind we are, the more we know the Lord, the more He knows us, and the deeper we fall in love with Him. And that's what we want. That's what we were created for. There's no higher, greater reason for our existence as a created being of God than to love Him and to be known by Him, to be in that relationship with Him. So let's, um, let's stand this morning and, and prepare for communion. For my so-called friends, that was about 25 minutes. I'm looking at two of my so-called friends. About 25 minutes. It was, it was such a great message. It was only 25 minutes. I'm just saying. <laughs> I guess he bailed you out back there, Glenn. Really. <laughs> Okay, so um, here's the thing. You can obviously, in whatever meaningful way, take communion this morning as we remember, as Jesus said, to his broken body and, and shed blood. My encouragement, um, should you choose this mission, is to ask the Lord how. Because I've talked about love, but we don't want to leave it up there in this, this area of, well, how do I put legs on this? Lo okay, love one another. How do you do that? Oh, well, it's the unconditional love of God. Yeah, but how does he do that? How does he love me that way? And then you start thinking about all the things that God has done. He's rescued your life. He speaks to you. He's, he's saved. The, he's, he does, has done all of the, over the years, if you can recount all the practical things that God has done for you, financially, relationally, emotionally, mentally, you know, all those things. Does he have more to work on? Absolutely. But he's committed to the long haul. He says, I'm going to complete it through the power of my Holy Spirit. I'm going to complete that work. And so God is, but we have to do the same thing. We have to thank Lord, how can, in what practical ways can I love people around me? How can I give myself? How can I lay my life down? How can I wash their feet? What can I do that expresses your love to them, Lord, without being, you know, obnoxious? But, you know what I mean? I mean, without forcing it in people's fate, but just in, in practical ways of service and love and sacrifice, what would you want me to do? And um, what was the famous thing that uh, brother, uh, uh, what is the famous thing he said? Love, love in action or something like that? Love with, without words and with necessary speak? What was that? Who was that monk? Uh, I can't remember. Assisi, Francis of Assisi, yeah. He said something like that. Well, I don't know he's a monk, but he was, a, he was one of those guys. And, and 
a priest or whatever. But anyway, I like that. It was something about, you know, loving, loving in action, loving in deeds, and when necessary, use words. And I like that. It's just like, you know, that's cool, just, just to love. And so, God, we come before you this morning to honor the sacrificial death of your son, how in your wisdom you tore open the heavens and set down your son to us as a man to suffer and die for us as the perfect sacrifice for our sin, Lord, for our disobedience, for our rebellion, God, for, 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 for the, uh, our, our darkness and the slavery in which we were held captive. Lord, we thank you for those things. We cannot thank you enough for the life you've given us and for the Savior that you've provided for us. And Lord, I pray that you would show us how to love. Jesus said, I'm bringing you a new command, love one another. Lord Jesus, show us how. How did you do it and how, how can we do it? In a practical 21st century, how can we love, Lord? In what ways can we give, lay down our lives, wash feet? What can we do, Lord? I ask the Holy Spirit that you would fill us with insight and revelation and creativity. That, Lord, you would, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to think outside the box and be creative with your love. That I bless your people, Lord, this day, that you would speak and that we would have ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name.